Thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J, C-R-U-Z. And now the latest episode of It's in the Game. It's in the game. I'm now joined by Trevor Lane, senior writer for LakersNation.com. He's on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Trevor, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, I'm you know I'm here in New York. It's about 50 degrees. It's about 70 over there in uh, LA. So um, I'm pretty jealous right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we certainly can't complain this time of year. We we've got the Got some nice weather today. Yeah, man. Uh, always a pleasure having you on again. Trevor Lane, senior writer for LakersNation.com. He's on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Um, before we get into the basketball, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in L.A. with the NBA coming up uh, with the Lakers, the Clippers, um, the, the, the L.A. Dodgers are in the playoffs right now. Game six actually tonight in the uh, NLCS, and uh, the Sparks won the WNBA title uh, two nights ago. So a lot of things happening up there in L.A. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, so much to do, and the fans not being all that interested. It is a really passionate sports town. And, uh, you know, the, the Lakers, the Dodgers, and, and the Sparks, I mean, and you can't forget about the L.A. Galaxy as well. They all have a, a really passionate following out here, and, uh, and it's a fun thing to be a part of. You know, it's a uh, it's kind of a unique thing in LA because there's so much there's so much to do out here, so many other options that you know that when people are, are really invested and really into uh, into a team, they're really into it with their with their heart and soul. Now, were you shocked or kind of surprised that the Sparks went to Game Five in Minnesota and defeated the defending champions on the road? Oh sure, I think I think everybody was. I mean, anytime you go into a, a game five for WNBA or a game seven for NBA, it has a big, especially the way that game played out right at the end. There, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Finish it off in the closing seconds with a bucket. Certainly can't complain on that. So, Trevor, the the last time we. We did a show, I think it was back in March, so obviously Kobe Bryant was still <laughs> on, on the Lakers. Um, has it sunk in for you and the fans out there in L.A. that Kobe Bryant is retired and no longer um, in the NBA? Uh, for me, it has. You know, going to going to media day and, and no Kobe there, uh, watching the team throughout the preseason and, of course, not seeing him out there on the floor. You know, there were a few games that were closed down the wire. And I found myself thinking, thinking, man, it's Kobe time right now. Like this is when we give the ball to Kobe, but but he's not there. I can't do that anymore. Um, for the casual fans, I think it's it's really going to sink in um, on Wednesday when they take on the Houston Rockets to to open up the season, and and no Kobe in the starting lineup. And it's certainly a, a whole new world now without Kobe out there. Um, you can see the the team plays differently. Some some better, some worse, mm-hmm. but. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a whole different world now that uh, now that Kobe's retired. Now I assume twenty four, you know, number twenty four and eight are both going into rafters, right? You know what? There there's been some discussion about that about which one they're going to 
they're going to to retire because mm. you, you don't see the Lakers retire multiple numbers. Right. But in my training, I mean, it seems like everybody I've talked to though has been on board saying yes, just retire both of them. You make the exception here, and you and you do it. And and the way I see it is this: even if you don't retire one of them, like let's say you retire twenty four and you don't retire eight, who is going to wear eight? From now on, like who's gonna gonna willingly take Kobe's number and wear that and deal with that kind of pressure and everything of of putting on Kobe's number because you know that will be a huge media story. I mean, heck, Brandon Ingram having Kobe's locker has been a giant story. Could you imagine if a guy every single really? night was putting on Kobe's number? Uh, I just I just don't see it. I don't think even if a number isn't retired, I don't think anybody's gonna wear it again. So it, it, him having the locker is a story because people like Kobe, you know, being retired. Are they trying to say that nobody should use that locker ever again? <laughs> you know what? It's <laughs> I know they should just case it in glass, right? Right, right. Um, and no, you know, there there's a a segment of of the fan base that's saying that uh, that's great, but that Brandon Ingram is is getting Kobe Bryant's locker. That it's. Um, that it's sort of like passing the torch to him and all that kind of stuff. And then there's another group that, that says that's horrible. Why would you do that to a, to a young player? Why would you, why would you put those kind of expectations on him? You know, if you were to take that locker and give it to, to pretty much anybody else, then it's not really much of a story. It, you know, you'd maybe make a note about it or something and, and that would be it. But by giving it to Ingram, who was the number two overall pick, and he's got all these expectations on him already, that to give him Kobe's locker and, and it sort of puts that, that burden on him to somehow fill Kobe's shoes, which, I mean, any draft pick is going to be the, the likelihood of them living up to what Kobe did is, is just about zero. I mean, the, the chances are so slim. So there's, there is that segment of the fan base, too, that says that, um, that giving him Kobe's locker isn't something that should be done and it's going to put too much pressure on him. And, and you know, he just turned 19, so you don't want to do that to him. Right. So it's kind of this, this back and forth that we've seen out here. So now, you know, uh, aside from Kobe's, you know, some, some of his rivals uh, throughout his career have also retired. Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, even Paul Pierce, somebody uh, who's going to retire after this year. And these are guys that Kobe uh, faced in the playoffs, you know, regular season, obviously, and also in the NBA Finals. Um, what would you remember the most about those guys going up against Kobe and the Lakers? You know, whenever I think of uh, of Tim Duncan, I always think of the the point four shot from Derek Fisher, and and of course that's my own you know Lakers bias coming out. But yeah, uh, but a lot of people forget that right before Fisher hit that that crazy point four second shot to win the game against San Antonio, uh, Duncan actually hit probably an equally amazing shot, uh, fading away off the wrong foot. He banked it in. Um, you know, and Duncan, he's, he is kind of the anti-Kobe in a lot of ways, because Kobe was this, this guy that was always having all these flashy moves and getting all the headlines and being in L.A. I mean, he totally played up to the, the Hollywood side, and Duncan just kind of went out and did his job every day. He kept quiet. He didn't make a ton of noise. He was just uh, just efficient. It was just who he is as a person, and, and the way he, he played his game was a perfect representation of that. And so they're almost like a little little yin and yang thing going on there. And I think you can make a, a real good good debate between which one is truly like the player of that generation, whether it's Kobe or Duncan. And then certainly you've got Garnett can be in there as well. 
all three of them have uh, have shaped the league and and they've turned it into what it is today. Now, obviously, the NBA kicks off in about I would say one, two, three, four days. Uh, Sunday, no, Sunday, Monday, two, so three days. Three days the NBA kicks off. The Lakers kick off in four days on Wednesday. Um, preseason happened. Just want to get your your surprises from the preseason so far. Um, you know, it's preseason. I think if you were to ask any Lakers fan that that followed the preseason games and and really really got into them, uh, the the biggest surprise, bar none, is Nick Young. Nick Young, everybody had written him off. I thought he was he was done as a Laker. You know, there were all of these stories coming around out out here that um, that I mean the Lakers were going to try to trade Nick Young, which I mean is true. They've been trying to trade him for a couple of years now, but now we hit the point where. If he wasn't able to be traded, if they weren't able to find anybody to take his contract, he's got a player option next summer, so everybody's looking at him basically as a two-year deal. So there were these stories that if they couldn't find anybody to trade for him, that they were going to waive him. The Lakers were just going to cut Nick Young and free up his roster spot so they could give it to a younger player um, and somebody who was going to be a lot more efficient and maybe less of a distraction on the team. And, um and that made a lot of sense. You know, when you really sit down and you look at the numbers, that meant that they were going to be willing to pay Nick Young $11 million over two years, or they were going to stretch it. And they were going to pay him that money to not play basketball for him. I mean, you have to really, really want to distance yourself from a player in order to do that. And it seemed like that was the way things were going and that his days as a Laker were over. But now preseason happened, and you can make a really, really solid case to consider Nick Young the best player for the Lakers over the course of the preseason. So and now, I am absolutely shocked by that. I never thought in a million years I would have been able to say that after eight preseason games. But here we are. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He's been scoring the ball uh, like he used to, like when back when Mike D'Antonio was the coach a couple of years ago. Right. He's actually been playing defense, which, I mean, nobody expects Nick Young to play defense. And he has been actually really, really good on the defensive side of the ball. So he is definitely the, the biggest surprise out of, uh, out of everybody the Laker ha- Lakers have. It's been Nick Young. So now Luke Walton is now the head coach for the Lakers. Um, what are your early thoughts on his coaching style, his coaching schemes in these preseason games? You know, it's so far so good. Um, I hope that there's a little more consistency once the season does start. And I, and I completely believe that there, that there will be. You can kind of see during the games as um, as each game goes by, Walton is is tinkering with things. He's experimenting with different lineups, and he's just trying to find out what he's got out there. I mean, we've seen him run Brandon Ingram at every position one through four. He's played every position except for center. Um, as Walton's just experimenting, he's seeing what he's got. He's been trying to figure out if he can get away with a small ball lineup with Julius Randle at the five. Um, he's, as I said, he tried... Ingram at the point guard, he moved Jordan Clarkson from the starting lineup to the bench to see if he's better as a sixth man. Um, He's bounced him around a little bit. He's moved Nick Young into the starting lineup and also out of it. Uh, Evita Zubak even started at center uh, last game. So you can see him kind of toying with things. But, you know, aside from just the rotation, as far as what he's doing out out there on the floor, what he has the players doing, I like it a lot. 
and we're seeing a lot more movement off the ball. We're seeing a lot more screens off the ball. We've got uh, down screens, and there's there's a couple of different plays that have been running out of horns where they've got a couple of bigs up top and then setting screens for cutters running past. Um, so it, it's it's been definitely a, a welcome change. We got so used to seeing so much isolation basketball or just a stagnant pick and roll at the top of the at the top of the key from Byron Scott that it's it's certainly been a breath of fresh air so far to see what Luke Walton has brought in terms of offensive offensive sets. So for Walton, can't can he or, or should he try to mirror the Golden State Warriors offense that he that he coached under last year and, and the year before that uh, with this team, or do you think it has to be different with this Lego roster? I think you have to be you have to be flexible. You have to to get your your rotation set, and then you've got to make sure that your plays, um, your strategies, whether it's on the offensive end or defensive end, you have to make sure that it matches up with your personnel. And you can make some parallels between what the Lakers have and the and what the Warriors have as far as their general roles. I mean, you can kind of put Russell in the in the Steph Curry role and uh, and maybe Randall in the Draymond Green role and stuff like that, but. But those are still a bit awkward, those fits. It's not a perfect translation. So so Walton's going to have to draw upon what he learned with the Warriors, but then he's going to have to tweak things to work for what the Lakers can do. I mean, we know Julius Randle can't shoot from outside like Draymond Green can. right? We know that D'Angelo Russell certainly isn't the player that, that Steph Curry is. He's not the, the same shooter. He's not the same playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers are, are just a much uh, much younger team. They've got a long ways to go. And so Walton kind of has to pull things back a little bit. He can't expect them to go out there and just run what the Warriors run and and expect them to be successful that way. He's got to kind of take baby steps. And I, I think he's done that. Um, there were a few different Lakers that mentioned after they played the Warriors the other day that it was um, that it was definitely a learning experience for them, that they got to see the way the Warriors operate, and so they could kind of see that next step. And Walton hasn't given them that stuff just yet. He's kind of uh, got the training wheels on, on still, so to speak. And I think he's absolutely doing the right thing right now. You have to bring these guys along slowly. And if the end goal is to be the Warriors and run that type of offense and that type of system, that's great, but it's going to take a while to get there. And so you just got to be patient and not throw everything at them at once. And, it, and you know what? I, I really can't fault Walton at this point. Mm-hmm. He's doing a fantastic job with that. Now, you know, since we both mentioned the Warriors, now obviously they had their own preseason games. But, you know, but when they played against you guys and you're front and center covering the game and, and, and you're seeing what uh, Clay, Draymond, Steph, and KD can do together for the first time uh, against the Lakers, are, are you sitting back like saying like, man, this, this team is like so above and beyond, head above shoulders uh, better than the rest of the Western Conference? Yeah, I mean, first of all, which I didn't get to go to, to the Warriors games, um, so I wasn't I wasn't front and center for those ones. But uh, but I did watch them and um, and looking at it, man, uh, it, it's tough to imagine anybody stopping them. I mean, look at think about last year. You think about the playoffs with the Warriors. Uh, teams stopped them by by switching a lot of pick and rolls and then helping off of Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes couldn't make a shot, and he couldn't make them pay for helping off of him. Well, who do you help off of now? I mean, you can't help off of Kevin Durant. He'll kill you. 
Same thing with Draymond Green, same thing with Clay Thompson. I mean, you can't help off of any of them. Um, and so I don't know what teams are going to do to beat these guys at this point. You can say, you know, they don't have a whole lot of rim protection. Maybe you can attack up the middle, and then you've got Zaza Pachulia in there, but he's not really a shot blocker. Sure, that might that might work a little bit if you have a, a really good center that can really score, but, but how many of those are there in the NBA right now? Um, there, there's not that many. So I think teams are going to have a really tough time game planning for the Warriors uh, defensively. And we saw that with the Lakers. There were, there were so many times out there where the Warriors would make one, two passes and then a cut, and they're getting a wide-open look because the Lakers can't adjust. You can't just dive off of Durant and help because, you know, he's going to bury the three every time. And so I think teams are going to have to take a while to try to figure out what to do against the Warriors. Not to this point, I haven't seen – any weaknesses in their offense, um, and they're only going to get better as they get get more accustomed to playing together. That's the scary part. So at this point, I mean, I'd certainly say they're the prohibited favorites to, to go all the way just because I don't see how you game plan to stop them. Going back to, to Luke Walton real quick, uh, even Jeannie Butts said that Luke Walton was their most valuable free agent this summer. Um, I mean, how, how happy – are Lakers fans to have Luke Walton, a, a former Laker, being their coach now? Or, or do you think they're more happy the fact that Byron Scott is no longer the Lakers head coach? Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it, it's choice C there, all of the above. <laughs> um, you know, Byron, Byron Scott had, uh, had definitely kind of worn out his, his welcome, particularly yeah. amongst the fan base. And, and you know, when you look at, at the situation where you've got D'Angelo Russell coming in as the number two overall pick and he's expected to be the franchise savior and, and all that, and then you have the coach clashing with him, I mean, the fans are going to support the player in that situation because they've got all of their hopes pinned to that player. I mean, if you bring in a new coach, then the team's still intact, the team is still there, whereas if you trade away Russell and he turns into a star because he didn't get along with his coach, then you've just set your franchise back for the next 10 years. So, of course, fans are definitely going to side with the player. And, and so, you know, they, people weren't too, too sad to see Byron go. But at the same time, I think be, you know, beyond just being, not, being someone else, being someone other than Byron, of course, you know, Luke has that advantage. But the fact that he is Luke Waldman, he is kind of the way, the way that he's programmed, it's, um, it's been a breath of fresh air. He's not just like the anti-Byron or anything like that. He's just, you can tell, the, the players buy into what he's saying. Um, whether, you are, whether you're there in person or not, I got a chance to actually go and, and talk to some of the guys at, at Media Day, and there's just a, there's a vibe um, on these players. You know, every, every single one of them, to one extent or another, made a comment um, to, the, to the effect of that things are a lot more fun now. Um, you could see them kind of holding back a little bit where they didn't want to take too much of a dig at Byron, but at the same time, these little comments are coming out. Nick Young has said a few times about what a difference it's made having a coach that supports him, and that's kind of a, a little bit of a dig at, at Byron, who pretty much just benched him. And so I think that's been a, a real change for, for the team. You can, just, you can tell they're, they're having fun. They're enjoying playing basketball together, and I don't know if that's something that was the case last year. And it remains to be seen if that will still be the case in January and February when they go on a four-game, five-game, six-game losing streak. Is every 
everybody's still going to be so optimistic and fun. I mean, you know the way off season is. Everybody's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Everybody believes they have a playoff chance and and all that. But um, but it really does seem like Walton has managed to connect with these players, and that's what he was brought in for. That's what Jeannie's talking about as far as him being the being the biggest free agent acquisition is they've got a coach now that can connect with their young players and hopefully lead them to uh, to a better place. And and so far, Walton has done that. He, he's done a really good job getting those guys to buy in and change the culture. He still has a long ways to go, but so far, so good. You mentioned D'Angelo Russell earlier. Um, to me, I think he's a franchise of the team. I think you would, you might uh, uh, agree with that. Um, we we all know that the the Western Conference is always loaded with point guards: Stephen Curry, Chris Paul, um, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, even Tony Parker at, at times. Even James Harden might might play point guard. D'Angelo Russell, second year in the league, had a very uh, very impressive preseason to me, averaging 18 and five. Do you think that he's going to have more of a breakout year against these caliber type of point guards? Knowing that, you know, last year was more like the Kobe uh, swan song, just just basically his uh, world tour of retiring. Now, you know, the shackles are off. He can be be more relaxed, be be more uh, of a better player, kind of be more hands on and free. Do you think he'll have a breakout year because of that? Yeah, I do. And, you know, you can you can see it when you watch him playing out there. He's not worried about what's going to happen if he makes a mistake. And I would say in probably December of this past year, uh, the past season, probably end of November, we started to see that really become a, a factor where you saw him not taking chances. You saw him uh, passing up shots and things like that because, he, you know, the, the leash was tight. If he made a mistake, then Byron was going to pull him out. He was going to possibly take away his starting job, which he eventually did for a bit. Mm-hmm. And Luke Walton has done the exact opposite. Luke Walton has pretty much said, hey, this is your show to run. You're my guy, and we're going we're gonna to ride or die. And it seems like uh, Russell's really responded to it. I mean, he's still just 20 years old, but he's already accepted uh, leadership responsibility on the team, and he's, he's going to be accepting the challenge to go up against some of these top guys. Now, I don't really think we're going to see him break out in games when he's going up against Westbrook, going up against uh, Lillard, guys like that. I mean, we saw Lillard in the preseason just torch D'Angelo. It wasn't close. Lillard was was on fire, and and Russell was doing everything he could defensively, getting a hand right in his face, and it didn't matter. Lillard was hitting anything he wanted, and Russell just couldn't keep pace on the offensive end. And that's okay. I mean, he's a he's a second year player. This is his first time really with the with the keys to to the franchise. I think the games where he's really going to going to blow up is when he's going up against a non superstar point guard. Um, and we've seen that in in preseason. He's had some pretty big games. Um, he had one against the the Sacramento Kings where he's being matched up with uh, with Darren Collison, and uh, which is somebody that he can post up really easily. Um, as far as big games against other players, though, like uh, like Lillard, when he went against him, it didn't work out so well. Going up against Curry, he did have a nice crossover on Curry, but I mean, you could see that there's a there's a difference in skill level, and that's to be expected right now. So I do think he does have a a breakout season this year, but I think the games that where he really blows up and really catches a lot of attention are going to be those games when he's not going up against a star. Because when he's going up against Curry, when he's going up against Westbrook and guys like that, he's going to be having to work so hard on the defensive end 
that I don't think you're going to see the same offensive output from him. And, and that'll be a great learning experience for him. Eventually, he will, uh, he will figure out how to do both. But I think this season, we'll see him have more success against the non-star guys than the superstars. Now, aside from Russell, you also have Larry Nance Jr. You also have Julius Randle, Jordan Cox, and you know, and, and and Russell being the four main guys, the four main young guys, you know, along with Ingram. Uh, when it comes to Nance, Randle, and, and Clarkson, which one do you think will, you know, should have? I wouldn't say a breakout year, but should but should have a a, a more impressive year this season. Um, you know, really, it should be Randle. When you're when you're talking about those three guys, if we're talking about Nance, Randall, and Clarkson. You look at their their draft position. I mean, Randall was taken in 2014 with the seventh overall pick. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was, I believe, he was 46, uh, and then Nance was was 27th in 2015. Just based on that, really, Randall should be the guy to to step up. Randall is is for all intents and purposes, he's a sophomore in the league. His rookie season was wiped out by that that horrible uh, broken leg. Um, but as far as development goes, I don't know that Randall has really developed all that much this offseason, at least not that we've seen so far in preseason. The biggest change to his game that I've noticed is that he's been a more willing passer. He doesn't have as much as much tunnel vision as he did last year. Um, he is driving into the paint and then kicking the ball out a lot more, and that is a, a big addition to his game. But the real breakthrough that we're waiting for with Randall is for him to start hitting the jumper. And we didn't get to see that in preseason. We heard all summer that he's been working on it like crazy. So if that happens, then yes, he will he will break out because he will be able to finally pull the defense out to him and make them respect him on the perimeter. But until we get to that point, it's going to be tough for him to really hit that next level. Whereas I think we've seen some more interesting improvements from Larry Nance Jr. and from Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson really struggled on defense last season, and you can see how hard he's worked on it over the summer. It, it was immediately noticeable as soon as preseason started that he is a much better defender this year. So I think that's going to make a difference. Larry Nance Jr. has improved all around. When you look at, um, at what he's been doing this year when he's getting defensive rebounds and then pushing the ball, um, which is something that Randall is really good at. Now we're seeing Nance be able to do that too. In addition to hit the, the three ball now, if Nance can get out there consistently and stretch the floor and hit threes, I think that's going to make a, a big impact, probably maybe a, a bigger impact than the improvements we've seen from Randall so far. But, again, we're all just waiting. As soon as Randall can really hit that jumper, even if it's just a 15- yeah. to 20-footer, that's going to make all the difference in the world for him. Now, during the offseason, L.A. did uh... – Signed Mozgov, Luau Dang. They got Jose Calderon in a trade with the Bulls. And obviously, they drafted Brandon Ingram. Um, if, if you could kind of pinpoint um, one thing from each that they bring to the team that the Lakers did not have last year, um, what would that be? Sure. Well, if we want to talk about uh, Mozgov. And, and dang, first of all, the, the Lakers took a ton of flack for, for signing, particularly Mozgov, mm-hmm. right, to that contract, four years and $64 million. But um, anyway, so that's deservedly so. It's a big contract, um, and that's a lot of money to pay him. But they, they know what they're getting. Brian Shaw, the Lakers assistant coach, worked with him in Denver. They, they are very familiar with Mozgov, and they felt like he was worth it. But I, I like to take the contract 
situation and just set it aside for a second and look at Dang and Mozgov and think about what are the ideal pieces you would put on this team full of young players like Ingram and Russell and, and guys like that. And, you know, Mozgov and Dang are, are pretty much exactly what you'd be looking for basketball-wise. The length of the contract, the dollars of the contract, yeah, you can, you can certainly, uh, certainly argue that that was too much on both ends. But as far as on the basketball court, they're both going to provide the stability that those young guys need. These are, these are players that are being looked at as the future of the franchise, and you have to have the guys there to act as the training wheels to help support them, the guys who have been through it before, to, um, to show them the way. And that's exactly what, what Mazyov and Dang are going to do. Dang is known as, as one, of the, one of the best people around the league. He's, he's just fantastic in terms of his, his leadership. Um, you know, the fact that he went to Duke certainly doesn't hurt. That gives him an instant connection with Brandon Ingram. So Ingram pretty much has a built-in tutor right there with Luol Deng. And Mozgov gives them this big body. I always look at, at Mozgov as a guy that they got, not necessarily for his own individual production. Like, when you look at Mozgov, you don't just look at his points, his rebounds, and all that. Mozgov sets massive screens, and the Lakers have a few players. I mean, they've got Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Huertas, Calderon, all players who thrive in a pick-and-roll situation and thrive coming off of screens. So you have to look at not just what Mozgov does for his own numbers, but how he improves the other players on the team, particularly the guards, and how he frees them up. And when you consider those things, I think those are good additions to the team. I think they'll, they'll bring those qualities. Uh, Brandon Ingram, of course, has, you know, he's 19. He just barely turned 19. Everybody knows that he's infamously skinny. Um, he's going to have big performances. He's going to have some big nights. And he's going to have some nights that aren't so great. Um, I think the one thing the team can count on from him every night is solid defense. We've seen it already in the preseason that his length bothers people. It surprises them. We see him get blocks where guys think they're going to get their shot off, and then suddenly he just extends an arm and, and it's gone. Um, so I think that's where we're going to look to see consistency from Ingram is on the defensive end, and then his offense is going to kind of come and go. Um, and, of course, you mentioned Calderon as well. That was a great trade for the Lakers to pick up a couple of two picks for or second overall picks, I mean, for uh, um, for just cap space. right? They got second rounders for, for just absorbing Calderon's uh, salary. And he's not going to do much defensively, but, again, he's a guard who can step in and shoot and space the floor a little bit for the team. And he's going to be an excellent mentor for the, for the young guys. So, you know, I can't really complain about those additions. They, they added some pieces that they can definitely help them this year. And more than that can help them help keep them on the path to where they eventually need to go. So I, I think that's a, that's a fairly fair assessment of, of the three veteran signings and then Ingram. There's been talk of uh, maybe, maybe Meta World Peace becoming an assistant coach with the Lakers. I'm not sure if that's him saying, well, if I don't make the team, I'll be interested. Or is that the Lakers saying that if Meta World Peace does not make the, the roster, that they would they would be interested in, in having him as an assistant coach? Which one is it? Um, you know what? It's it's the latter. It's it's coming from the Lakers. Okay. That, that they would be interested in having him as an assistant coach. From everything I've heard, he is still interested in playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to play until he's 40. 
and um, he played a total of 10 minutes during the preseason. Uh, total out of all eight games. And when he was out there, he didn't, I mean, he, he clearly looked like he had lost a step. He didn't look like he still really had it. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't expect him to be the guy to get the Lakers' last roster spot. It's down to Meta World Peace, E. Gianleon, and Thomas Robinson. And I think realistically it's down to Robinson or E. I don't think that, that Meta is a, is a real consideration there. Who knows? I could be wrong. I didn't think he was really in the running last year, and yet he made the team. But just based on the personnel they've got, um, I can definitely see him being an assistant coach. I think it would be a great role for him. But I think his, his days as a player for the Lakers are, are done. And then it'll be interesting to see whether he um, opts to take a role as an assistant or if he's going to go look elsewhere and try to continue playing. And I kind of get the feeling it's going to be the latter that he's going to go try to keep playing. Two more before I let you go, Trevor. Um... I mean, I think it's a it's a a good but different time to be a Lakers fan. Obviously, there's no Kobe Bryant for the first time in 20 years since since '96. There's no Kobe Bryant on the team. Um, majority of the team, uh, you know, are, are very young. So I think the fans are are, are willing to kind of be patient and wait to see how long this team can really. Um, click and have great chemistry in order to to vie for the playoffs, maybe in two to two to three years. Um, so, like the outlook on this year is, hopefully, fans are not saying playoffs or thirty five wins, whatever. Uh, for you, for someone who covers them, what is the realistic outlook of number of wins for this Lakers team for this year? You know, a number of. Number of wins this year. I think it's um, it's tough to project with a with a team so young. Um, I you know the, I think I saw the the Vegas line was I think they had either twenty three or twenty four and a half was uh, was their uh, was their line as far as the over under. Uh, based on what I've seen from the team, I'd say that's that's pretty darn close to being to being right. I might give them a couple of extra wins, just assuming D'Angelo Russell goes off on a few nights. So I'm going to say they, they end up with about 25 wins on the season. I take the over just by just by a little bit there. Um, but you know what? That's that's okay. Uh, last year, with it being Kobe's farewell tour, nobody could really say that they aren't making the playoffs. At least nobody from the organization. They all had to keep this sort of this false confidence out there that that as long as Kobe's there. We're going for the playoffs. We're trying to win, period. And we've heard completely different language coming from, especially Luke Walton this summer. He's been saying, you know, it's it's about the long term. It's about building. Even if it costs us a few wins here and there, it's about the the big picture. And and that's really a, a major shift in terms of the message coming from from the franchise. We went from one that was, you know, the the goal every year is to win a championship. Now it's it's patience, and this is going to be a process. And I think that's a positive thing. You know, they're they're being realistic. They know that they're a ways off, and they know that it's it's all about developing these young kids right now. So I think the priority is is in the right spot at this point. And uh, and yeah, if they win 25 games, I think that'd be a, a successful season. But you know, if they win 12, 13 games, but D'Angelo Russell looks like a star, I think that's a successful season too. Uh, I think that's the that's they got to be the top priority is figuring out which of these players can eventually become a star to take them to the next level. Because in a season like this where it's all about development, 
25 wins, 15 wins, whatever, um, it, it doesn't make that big of a difference. It will for uh, for draft pick considerations, certainly, with their, their pick being top three protected. But as far as whether or not this season was a success, the biggest indicator is going to be the growth of the young players, and then wins are going to be secondary to that. But then again, Trevor, I mean, they, they could shock people. Um, they could speed the process up because I know they'll have a lot of money um, this summer for free agency. And I'm not too sure off the top of my head who will be the big-time free agents um, this summer, whether they're young or, or veterans. So they could they could get somebody this summer to go along with the young guys and kind of speed the process up maybe uh, a full year or two. So, I mean, there are, there, there are options for them, but um, – Maybe this summer they can shock some people and get somebody to go with with the young with their young roster. Oh sure, that's that's hopefully the what happens. You know that that would be in a perfect world. They retain their draft pick this summer. They get a top three pick, and uh, they do that. Then their the pick they owe to the Orlando Magic in 2019 um, goes away. Um, instead of a first rounder, it becomes two second rounders. So, so that would be pretty big for the franchise if they could. They would not only keep their first rounder this year; their 2018 first would then automatically go to Philly. But then their obligation to the Magic would would become two seconds. So, that would be absolutely huge. And then if they can get out onto the free agent market and make something happen, um, even as, at the trade deadline this year, assuming they keep E.G. Amion, he's got an extremely interesting contract and one that I don't think I've seen before where he has uh, these bonuses, these likely bonuses, that would bring him bring his salary up by about $2 million with every 20 or so games played. But he still counts on the cap as a full $8 million salary. So in theory, they could trade him to a team for a player up to about $12 million or so, and the team receiving E could waive him and completely wipe that money off their books. So that could be a pretty nice trade chip. We could see them even make a big move here at the at the trade deadline. So it could happen even sooner than than this summer. Um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see uh, what they do there. But but yeah, they they have kept some flexibility. Mozgov and Dang did take some of their financial flexibility long term, uh, but they do still have enough room to go after all the top free agents. They have enough for for a max contract. So you'll certainly hear their name tossed about. And if they have a solid season from these young guys, they should get a stronger look um, this summer than they did last summer. Well, final one for you, Trevor. Um, let, let's let try to uh, give Laker fans some hope out there. I'm going to tell you their first 10 games. I don't want you to tell me, do you think they'll be about 500 or below 500 or above it? Um, they have the Rockets on, on opening Wednesday. They have Utah, the Thunder, the Pacers, the Hawks the Warriors, the Suns, the Mavericks, Sacramento, and the Pelicans. So that's the Lakers' first 10 games. Do, do you see Do you see they winning at least five or below five or more than five? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say they win three of those tops and and I don't mean to be be negative or anything like that, but that's a that's a pretty tough opening schedule, you know, when you've got uh, Houston, Golden State. When you've got the Thunder in there, you, I mean, you've got some some definitely top quality teams. Um, I mean, I think the Thunder are still going to be good, um, even without Durant. They're still going to be a very solid team. Uh, you've got a, a pretty tough opening to the to the season for the Lakers. I know they play mm-hmm. Golden State three times in in November, uh, so not wow. easy. 
Um, so I would expect them to definitely be be below 500. But again, this season it's not so much about the, the wins and losses. It's all about the development. So if they lose to Golden State, but they look good while they're doing it, and it looks like they're developing some stars, I mean, chalk that up as a as a moral victory. Um, and you could argue that that's even more important than getting the, the actual win. I think the big thing for fans this season, as far as staying optimistic, is don't focus on the scoreboard. Focus on how the team is actually performing on the court, uh, because that's what's going to make the difference long term. If they're gelling, if you if you're seeing chemistry on the floor, that's a positive sign, and that's a step in the right direction. If you're seeing Russell blow up and Clarkson and and Ingram start to really hit his stride, those are the things that are are going to be what the franchise hangs their hat on this season rather than their record and whether or not they're, they're winning games or, or losing games. Uh, the outcome of the game is secondary right now to the development of their young players. Trevor Lane, senior writer for LakersNation.com. He's on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Always uh, appreciate you coming on the show. You're also the host of the Lakers Nation podcast. So where can people find that and, and what days do you uh, – tape the shows you know what I, I tape shows uh for the lakers nation podcast after every game so every time there's a there's a game there'll be a podcast up the next day i'm going to break down the game i'm going to break down uh all the latest news we're going to go over all that stuff um it'll be posted on LakersNation.com, so that's where you can you can find the the podcast and uh and yeah give it a listen come check us out and yes yeah, like uh, like randy said my twitter handle is at trevor underscore lane and you can also uh, check out our site, uh, Twitter handle, at Lakers Nation. So let's hope that you break down more than three wins for the Lakers in the first 10 games, Trevor. Let, let, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, 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 you know what? I will, I will take wins all day. <laughs> if they do win, that's a, that's a good night. Um, but uh, I'm not, not going to go in expecting it. So if it, if it happens, then, then great. And if it, if it doesn't, I'm not going to be too, too upset about it. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot. Anytime. All right.